1: podcast hawkeye nation.com andrew downs and rob how with you once again rob what's up man
0: big week last week andrew yes it was back we found out when basketball
1: started you know i had a llama in my backyard yesterday i saw that what was that all about
0: (laughs) my my wife got us uh well she my my 10 year old daughters it's her birthday today so happy birthday to audrey um but, uh, yeah, she and her friend are like six days apart, her, her best friend. So we did like a combo birthday party at our house yesterday, socially distanced with masks. And, um, yeah, the, she, my wife and uh, the mother of my daughter's best friend decided it would be a good idea to get a llama over here, <laughs> and his name was Earl, and he was really cool.
1: That's That sounds interesting and fun. Uh, did you have to scoop up any llama poop?
0: No, man, he did not go, and I was wondering that as soon as I saw him walking (laughs) out back, and it was weird, too, because I'm figuring, all right, it's a pretty good-sized animal. They're going to bring him in some type of trailer. He came in a minivan, man. They just had no seats in the back of the minivan, and he went in there like a dog. That's wonderful. really, really docile and cool animals, man. He let the—I think we had maybe six or seven uh, 10-year-olds, and they were hugging him and petting him, and he was just— he was just happy to be out and was real social. They're very cool animals.
1: That's that's really cool. That sounds fun. So, hey, get a llama for your kid's birthday party. Why not, right? Oh, that's awesome.
0: Uh, yeah, it was, it was a good show. We had, uh, Everything went off without a hitch. So, yeah.
1: Good, good. Um, good week. A week ago, you and I ended this podcast by, we both predicted, and, and now rightfully so, we were trying to stay optimistic that uh, when we reconvene today, we would have... Games to talk about. I didn't know if we would have a full schedule or anything, but we do. We have a football season scheduled. We we know the schedule, um, and you know it's with all of the things that have happened around it. Um, I, I guess I am I. I'm trying to not be super cynical. I've seen a lot of cynicism about why this move was made by the Big Ten. And I do think, obviously, money and pressure and all of these things play a factor. But I, I do believe that the Big Ten and, and the presidents and chancellors and Kevin Warren uh, when they and Gary Barta, when they say that the daily testing was a game changer, to be able to do that, to test every day, uh, and to put these other kind of things into place, these uh, mitigation practices, and then these, you know, when you you do test positive, how long it takes you to get back, the kind of milestones you have to hit in order to do that. I I do think the health part of this played a really big role, and uh, I'm just glad to see that uh, the conference has a... Seems like a comprehensive plan to do this, and you know we could debate whether or not they'll actually be able to play nine games in nine weeks or whether every team will be able to do that, but I do feel pretty comfortable. As somebody who's been pretty uh, conservative in this whole COVID thing, um, I do feel pretty comfortable with the plan that the Big Ten has laid out at this point.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I wrote a column last week, and I basically um outlined and wrote about what you said and i i think it'd be naive to think that money and pressure from you know parents and lawyers and players you know the nebraska players certainly uh forced their hand in terms of getting them to release them being the presidents and chancellors of the big 10 their uh, initial vote you know their original vote which ended up being 11 to 3 and it went from an 11 to 3 to a unanimous yes uh, although rutgers is still i think a little bit sketchy (laughs) on coming back if you read a little bit about what they're saying uh i think they're still apprehensive about coming back and i think that's that's probably fair, but all those things I think played some part in, in Big Ten football coming back this fall, but again, like you said, without that I, I just I don't buy without daily testing that they'd be playing right now, and then also uh, the study at Ohio State uh, with a uh, uh, myocarditis and the the doctors that that um, conducted that study saying that they what they saw made them feel better about covid as it relate relates to that heart illness and none of us know what the long terms or are going to be andrew and that's really just too hard to predict but they felt like the risk and there's always going to be a risk was uh you know manageable enough to be able to play and if it was uh, a sport that made absolutely no money for the universities, I don't think they'd be willing to to take that risk. So to say again, to say money isn't a factor in this is not the case, and it's more than just the money for this football season and for these universities. These players are trying to to to. You know build resumes to play in professional football not all of them but a good number of them we we've seen a couple you know a couple players at Ohio State opt back in there are other players Rashad Bateman Ron Delmore who are trying to opt back in back in Micah Parsons potentially uh, from Penn State trying to get back in that's a whole nother story to me let the damn players back in I mean you, you this was a mess it was handled awfully by the Big Ten as we've talked about on this podcast Uh, not only did they uh, say they were postponing the season but then several weeks later came back and said they're not reversing their decision which then led to more players opting out Um, let those guys play even if they signed with an agent or had contact with an agent uh, these are I I know people get sick of the word it's unprecedented these times and give these kids. it should be about the players it should be about the student athletes let them play so hopefully we see it's going to be interesting because we talked about this last week Andrew and I saw it again this week the play is pretty sloppy and again we saw in the NFL yesterday Sunday uh, September the 20th a lot of injuries man and they did not have preseason games the training was cut short. This is going to be rapid training to get back on the field for the Big Ten. I certainly have my concerns, and I think Kirk Ferentz said that last week. He's concerned about the soft tissue injury, so I don't know what this season's going to look like, Andrew, but at least we have a season.
1: Yeah, We're we're going to try it one way or the other. Um, And you're exactly... I I agree completely about the players who opted out. You know, if the Big Ten can reverse its decision a couple of times, uh, certainly these players need to be given some leeway. uh, As you said, it's an unprecedented situation, and uh, as as much as I don't want to see Rondale Moore on the field on October 24th as a Hawkeye <laughs> fan, uh, if he wants to play, he should he should be given that opportunity to play. Uh, you talk about the money, and we'll just segue quickly here to the fact that uh, Gary Barta made it very clear last week when he when he met with the Iowa media that while this certainly helps. The financial situation that the university is in uh, with COVID and it it helps that deficit that they've talked about, it doesn't help enough to bring those four sports back or to really change any of the uh, furloughs or salary cuts or potential layoffs uh, that the university is is having to deal with. So I I think a lot of people right away say, well, hey, football's back. That means we're all good. There's a lot, you know, A, it's only nine games, uh, you don't have fans in the crowd, all of that kind of uh, stuff, and so uh, those four sports are still going to be cut, uh, those other other things are still going to happen, but this, this does help Iowa a little bit financially.
0: Yeah, and I guess we won't know the number, obviously there are no fans in the stands, as you said, so that obviously cuts into uh, potential revenue big time there, Um four home games but Iowa would have well Iowa would have had two more well three more home games uh, with, including Iowa State had uh, it been the regular original schedule so with fans that's a lot of money and uh, I think Gary said last week that maybe this helps them you know, with an additional 20 million, 25, he was just spitballing there, but it's, it's something. And and that's, you know, he, in addition to saying that those four sports weren't coming back, it's not going to change the furloughs in the athletic department. It's not going to change the jobs that were cut. So, you know, it, 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 it probably helped them in terms of the, the loan that they were going to take, they, that'll lessen the loan and maybe they can pay it back sooner uh, but the, the athletic department is still still going to absorb a lot of, of financial I, I think like Gary called it catastrophic um, hardship so still if football's coming back and and we'll talk about basketball and, and what that might look like You know, in a few minutes in the podcast but still a pretty big hit for this athletic Department, and who knows how many games they get in and, and what the final numbers end up being. Uh, we did get the um, just got an email from Steve Rowe of Sports Information at Iowa. The University of Iowa Athletics Department conducted four or 743. COVID-19 tests for the week of September 14th through 20th, seven positive tests and 736 negative tests have been received. As part of a return to campus protocol, testing began May 29th and includes student-athletes, coaches and staff, a total of 228 positive tests, 4,225 negative tests and one inconclusive test have been received so far so an update on the COVID test looks like they're doing better after uh kind of that um step back when, when school in-person learning and, and the students came back it looks like they're heading in the right direction again yeah, which is good news
1: be interesting to see what those numbers were you know had they known this whole time they were they were going to play you wonder if if uh, you know I know I, th- I think it was Chad Lysico reported that 11 football players were part of the 93 positive tests that that week that you reference and uh, you know would that have changed had they not been sent home or had they known that there was something they were working towards uh, you know we'll, we will never know but um yeah, it's hard to
0: know, too, because the students did come back and obviously the, 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 you know, the socialization was not good. The bars were not, you know, a lot of kids going out. And as we talked about, Andrew, the, the football players are going to in-person classes not, you know, it's not a full um you know a full class load of on uh in-person classes but many of them do go to class around and, and are around campus and around town uh but we are heading in the right direction as a as you know as a community here uh with this and, and the bars being closed so hopefully that continues and like you said i think the players are going to be not that they weren't responsible before but they have a lot more at stake now
1: before we dive into Iowa's schedule and Spencer Petrus and kind of what what we look and you know whether or not they're practicing, I, I think they can put pads on, on on September 30th when they begin the daily testing. Uh, before we get into all that. Just kind of taking a step back and looking at the Big Ten, we've spent a lot of time uh, talking about how you know, regardless of whether or not they they were making the right decision, they certainly uh, didn't handle it very well as, as a PR thing. Um, and and now it feels like they've been able to reverse a lot of that and been able to change that conversation quite a bit. Um, obviously, it, it will we will all find out whether or not these are the right decisions that we're making uh, if these seasons are successful. Uh, you know if if nobody is is seriously ill or you know long-term damage has suffered from any of this but uh, do you think that the Big Ten has now kind of stopped any long-term damage as far as you know recruiting or uh, solidarity within the league has is that is that whole conversation gone now uh, that that they have decided to move forward with the football season or do you think there are still things that are that are lingering there?
0: Yeah, it still seems like it, doesn't it? At least to that school that wears red to the West. Yes. (laughs) Yes obviously that was one of the big sidebars that came out of the schedule release on saturday and and nebraska uh is complaining bill moose the ad over there is complaining about the schedule they open at ohio state and then get wisconsin at home uh the two favorites to play in the big 10 championship game and on december 19th at lucas oil in indianapolis so i still think there's repair to do here um you know kevin warren i still see him taking hits on social media and he's got a lot of um damage to repair i don't know as the the presidents and chancellors are are well known enough um just from a sports perspective to be kind of you know long-term damaged by this but i think as a conference athletic conference particularly football which is the front porch sport um i think it's going to take a while to fix this I i don't know how how bad the damage will be and obviously coming back and at least trying to play football will help them help them in terms of uh you know um exposure and recruiting and things like that but uh, that was a tough five weeks for the conference and it's going to take some time I don't know how long it'll take but I still think there's damage to be be, be repaired by the league.
1: It certainly seems like they made the call too soon if if they if there was ever a chance that they could uh, reverse things if, if even if it seemed like a long shot to get something like daily rapid testing uh, it feels like they could have waited a little bit longer even they could have even said that, hey, we're leaning against playing, uh, but the, the, there was no need in, in early August to pull the plug when then ultimately you'd have to come back and, and try to throw a schedule together where it really leaves you no room, no wiggle room at all. I mean, there there is no reason that the Big Ten couldn't be playing this coming weekend as they had originally uh, you know, scheduled. So... Um, I think that was obviously the the biggest misstep that that the conference made, but uh, hopefully hopefully reversing this, uh, getting getting games back on the schedule, uh, you know, sending guys into the NFL with with good tape, all all of this stuff will um, kind of help. Repair any of that damage, and uh, and and certainly as far as like recruiting and optics and those sorts of things. Now within the conference, as you mentioned, it'll be interesting to see where Nebraska kind of goes from here. Um, because I do think, I do think it, it it does look like from the outside certainly that Nebraska is is kind of being sent a message with their schedule. Now on the other hand, this was kind of the schedule they were they were going to have no matter what. I mean, it's very similar to their their original schedule, uh, and and this makes sound you know interesting coming from a Hawkeye fan as as we've benefited from some early schedules. But <laughs> they're not asking you to play Clemson and Alabama. They're asking you to play teams in the in the Big Ten. Now, yeah, you have a couple of tough games and you have them right at the beginning of your season. But if, if you are, I, I tweeted this this weekend. It's interesting as from a program and a university and a coaching staff that, uh, and and certainly a fan base that seems poised. In their minds, to take over this conference, it's interesting to then complain about having to play teams in said conference.
0: Yeah, agreed. I mean, if you want to, if you want to, you know, win the conference, you're going to have to beat those teams anyway. Um, They do get Wisconsin at home for two years in a row. And for those listeners that don't understand how they arrived at this schedule, each team in, Uh, You know, each Western division team and, and, you know, obviously the Eastern division teams, you have a partner from the other side, uh, the other division, um, you know, and Nebraska's partner is Ohio State. Iowa's partner is Penn State. Wisconsin's partner is Michigan. Those and those all are the schools. Iowa lost Ohio State because that was really the ninth game, whereas I don't remember what uh, Nebraska's nine, but they get Penn State at home. Th- their their home game against Penn State is in relation to what Iowa has with Michigan State at home. So basically, they dropped that extra road game that each Western mm-hmm. Division team would have had this year because it was four and five. The Western Division teams had four home games and five road games. So they dropped that cross, you know, the the – crossover game that was on the road because it's four and four now and then the plus one. So Nebraska wasn't treated... You know, it wasn't. Uh, maybe it was it being front loaded with Ohio State and yeah. Wisconsin. You could say, yeah, they stuck it to them a little bit. But in terms of the games that need to be played, everybody got the same treatment here. So th- in that case, it's it's nothing different. But it is kind of uh, interesting to to see them whine and complain <laughs> about it. I will say that you know in Penn State and Ohio State, I thought, were making as much noise in, as Nebraska was in terms of maybe showing some dissent. You know, we had Ryan Day come out on social media, um, uh, James Franklin in, in his press conference kind of calling out the conference. So it, I, Nebraska, in that case, I can kind of see why they're saying, hey, we're not the only ones that were pushing for this. but. At the end of the day, you still have to play those games, and, you, and the schedules were not loaded against Nebraska overall. Maybe front-loaded, but I guess we'll never know.
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
0: Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big
1: names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
0: many more doors. The show is called The The Deal.
1: Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So focusing in on the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, I believe they got some practices in over the weekend. uh, And uh, am I right in that they can't do full contact practices until september 30th is that how you understand it as well
0: yes okay. yeah once the daily testing starts on then they but they've gone up uh, obviously increased to 20 hours a week yes. now so um a lot of they basically are where they left off andrew kind of back at the beginning of august they, they were just getting back to so I I guess it's not right where they left off they were getting close to padded practices when the plug got pulled so they're kind of back at the beginning of training camp again where they get whatever maybe not exactly at the beginning of training camp, but just that leeway into non-padded practices and conditioning to, to get to the point where they can put on the pads. And then obviously, as you as you mentioned, I think that daily testing availability on September 30th is the key to getting back to padded practices.
1: We uh, we spoke with Kirk Ferentz last week. I know he was on a, a Zoom call just before he came onto our, our radio show. I heard him say this a couple of different times. Uh, it was kind of his line of the day was, uh, we're raring to go, we're not quite ready to go, uh, you know, and and for all of those reasons, it's going to be interesting to see how this team uh, is able to kind of put things together, uh, especially breaking in a brand new quarterback in Spencer and Spencer Petrus and. I think the good thing is uh, Iowa, under Kirk Ferentz, has done pretty well with first-year starting quarterbacks. We've had several that have, have had good seasons, and I'm not sure any of them has walked into the type of situation that Spencer Petras is walking into uh, with this group of receivers, this this offensive line in front of him, uh, these running backs behind him, um, and, and and then the special teams, and the, the kicking game certainly. Um, it's it's just this there without any non-conference games, without any kind of tune-up games, and with such a shortened um, preseason, or I, I, whether or not it's actually shortened, a disjointed preseason, I should say, uh, or off-season. It's just it's it's going to be so important. So much of this, in my mind, is going to fall on the shoulders of, of Spencer Petrus, and kind of how ready is he to take over this program and really step into that role as a leader? And uh, and and again, you you kind of have a a, a tough, a tough start at Purdue. You, you know, you're going on the road to a, a team that has beat Iowa a couple of times in the last few years, and ha- really had a shootout last year. Um, not quite a shootout, but a, a, a nail-biting game uh, last season. Uh, it's just so much of this rides on the quarterback position for Iowa, and it's, I just don't know how anybody can be certain about how he's going to play until he actually steps out there on October 24th.
0: Yeah, I have a lot of confidence in his ability, Andrew. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. It's just hard as you said. He's just this is just such a unforeseen situation that he's been put in. No spring ball, very limited summer. Uh, you know, they they tried to, to work through some seven-on-seven seven, uh, drills and things like that during the summer, but even those were interrupted by, you know, contact tracing and some cases that they had of COVID. Um, so it's really, really been choppy this whole year for him moving into this position. And in relation to that, the offensive line basically has three – I don't say new starters, but you, you know Tyler Linderbaum at center and, and Alaric Jackson at left tackle are really the only guys that were, you know, start to finish starters, so to speak, in, on last year's offensive line. So that's gonna. We all know how the continuity and chemistry of Iowa's offensive line, how important that is, and how practice feeds into that. So that's a big question for me to as well. What type of, um, what position? Uh, How far along will the offensive line be that he's lining up behind he does have the opportunity to play with a veteran group of skill players and i think that's important as well um but it's going to be you know how much really not a whole lot of center just center quarterback exchanges just they haven't done a ton of those so far this year so that's something to keep an eye on and like we we've talked about last week and this week it's been sloppy play in college football a lot of turnovers uh penalties, things like that. And I think we can expect to see those things early on in the season. It's going to be those teams that can limit those and – and and you know, in, in conjunction with that, m- maybe overcome those that I think are going to have success. But you're right, that that first game is kind of tricky, man. Purdue seems to have. You talk about matchups more in basketball, and you do in football, but this is a kind of a tricky matchup for Iowa. Purdue seems to fu- no have ways to attack Iowa's defense that that a lot of teams haven't figured out. Jeff Brom is a is a is a uh, a brilliant offensive mind, and and. Yeah, if Rondell Moore comes back, that just <laughs> makes the degree of difficulty that much more uh, difficult because yeah. uh, they have they have potent weapons on that offense.
1: They do, and you're right. Jeff Bromis has found a way to really attack Iowa's defense the last several years that uh, as a fan has just been so frustrating to watch in those games. Like You almost know what's coming, and yet you can't stop it. I guess the it. good
0: thing, Andrew, is that it's a road game, but there aren't any fans.
1: Yes, That'll be so th- yeah. Well you would
0: be looking at it and say, oh man, Spencer Peters has got a, <laughs> his first start's going to be on the road in the big 10. It's who knows what that pl- place is going to be like.
1: That's really interesting. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't like fully contemplated that. But you're exactly right. It's it's kind of nice to to go on the road, and it's not going to be a real intimidating environment. I mean, you know, there will certainly be, you know, what a few hundred, maybe a thousand, you know, family members and a band and things like that in, in the stands. But uh, it certainly I think will the be Iowa allowed... Families
0: can go too. Yeah, I think I
1: you're think they're right. Gonna
0: allow the uh, the visitors parents to, to go as well so will be interesting and I was had in a Twitter exchange over the weekend about the I, I think they should allow them to pipe in the noise like if you're the home team mm. you should be able to pipe in crowd noise and make it really loud when the other team has the ball
1: <laughs> that would be, I think you should yeah. be allowed to
0: do that yeah. I mean, that would give a little bit of a home that would give the home field advantage they probably won't do that for sportsmanship reasons though
1: yeah probably not uh, but that that would be really interesting. Well, so so that's game one at Purdue, and again Purdue coming off a four and eight season, but it, it certainly didn't feel like a four and eight team, and uh, a lot of weapons coming back. We don't know about Rondo more yet, uh, but th- that's that's a good team, and without any preseason games, it's just that's a big big challenge for Spencer Petris, a big challenge for this defense, and and certainly the uh, the defensive backfield, uh, whether or not they can stop this uh, kind of two headed monster of receivers that Purdue has. Uh, but that that that's game one. I will say, you know, probably a toss-up game for the most part. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Purdue is, you know, favored by a couple of points as we get closer to that day. But uh, as a Hawkeye fan, I I feel okay about that game. I feel like that—that's a game that the Hawkeyes can go in there and uh, and come out with a win.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think it's—it's again, it's one of those. Those uh, swing games, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is a game where if you can get that road win early in the season, again, road wins are, you know, different this year, obviously. But to get that that get off on the right foot, I think, is big. And it's a divisional game. If, if Purdue gets that win against a team that won. You know, ten games last year. Um, that's a big win for them. So yeah, it's an important game out of the out of the blocks, no doubt.
1: I should mention before we uh, before we continue going through the schedule here that we don't know kick times or anything for any of these games, and we also don't know uh, for sure that all of these games are going to be on a Saturday. Uh, I think we can probably guess that the Nebraska game will be pushed to Black Friday as it traditionally has been. Um, but some of these other games could be moved to a Friday as well. Uh, it'll kind of depend on on TV things and. And whatever. So uh, as we go through this schedule. Uh, you know, it's subject to change. And obviously, it's all subject to change, uh, depending on how the virus goes. But week two... The I-
0: Minnesota game was
1: Friday originally, Yes, right? it was. I think it was supposed to be this, okay. this past Friday, because uh, okay. that was that short week after the CyHawk game. That looked like a really tough um, you know, six days for the Hawkeyes. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see if you know something like that gets moved. Week two is Iowa's first home game at Kinnick Stadium. It is Halloween, or scheduled for Halloween, as, as Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern come to town... And uh, Northwestern with a, a new quarterback, and they can't be worse offensively than they were a year ago, Rob.
0: No, that was one of the worst offensive teams in the Big Ten that I've seen in a long time uh, last year in Evanston. They just could not do anything. And Iowa's defense is good. That's not to take anything away from the Hawks' defense, but just no quarterback play last year. And Peyton Ramsey is uh, an established Big Ten quarterback, so if that was the missing piece, because I think Northwestern had a pretty good defense last year. If that was the missing piece for them, it could be dangerous could be a dangerous game. And, and Fitz is always, uh, Fitz's teams are always scary for Iowa, not to be corny on Halloween, but, uh, (laughs) could be a, could be a scary game for the Hawks.
1: Well, and like we talked about with Purdue, not having that home court, that home field advantage, you know, Iowa, it's, it's going to be interesting for some of those guys, you know, maybe Petrus is better off that he hasn't played a home game in Kinnick stadium, or at least not as the starter. He's certainly been there for several of them, uh, and then been on the field, but, uh, to not kind of have that, that home crowd behind you, uh, You know, this is the type of game you picture on on Halloween night at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, Whether or not that happens, will be interesting. But you know, how how does it affect the team to not have seventy thousand Hawkeyes in that stadium, kind of cheering them on? It's always a scary game for Iowa. As you said, Fitzgerald always has that team up for this game. But uh, if I was going to have a a good season this year, that has to be a game that you win. Your your first home game against a a Northwestern team that's uh, really looked bad last year. And yeah, maybe they are just a quarterback away, but this is also going to be just their second game with that quarterback. So um, again, I like Iowa's chances there.
0: Yeah, and I think if you're if you have hopes of knocking Wisconsin off and and, and taking the the West division this year I think you got to come out of the gates 2 and0 here I yeah. think you got to win these two division games
1: yeah I, I agree completely and, and I think I would can take that momentum and and bring it home for the following weekend against Michigan State and uh, you know facing a new head coach in Mel Tucker uh, who they haven't played yet uh, Probably Rocky Lombardi from here in West Des Moines. He was a Valley quarterback, probably going to be their starter uh, for the Spartans when they come to Kinnick Stadium. Uh, but again, a team that's just kind of ever since the the 2015 Big Ten Championship game, and I hate to bring that up, you know, that, that triggers people, it triggers me. Uh, but, um, you know, they, they just haven't been the Michigan State that, that we grew to know under Mark D'Antonio. And so, uh, You know, not knowing a ton about this team, Rob. Again, I feel confident that the Hawkeyes at home uh, can win this game.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting. Michigan State is at Michigan the week before this Mm. on Halloween, so um, who knows what type of Spartan Spartan team will 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 come into to Kinnick Stadium that week? But yeah, this is a a, this is a game against a, a team that with a with a first year head coach with a first year starting quarterback rocky has started some games for michigan state but essentially this is if he does win the job this will be his first year as the full-time starter so uh this is a game iowa should win there's no doubt in my mind and that's not to say uh a poor p- performance by iowa wouldn't result in a loss because michigan state has talented players uh jacob Panasiak, who had opted out i think is opting back in a very very disruptive defensive tackle um and they always have a uh a stingy defense a lot of of talent on the defensive side of the ball for Michigan State, so uh, this will be an inch. This will be they, they've traditionally done things to um, kind of get the the Iowa quarterback sideways. Nate Stanley at that game in East Lansing several years ago just could not get anything going, uh, and they'll have something they'll have something for Spencer Petris, so this is a game where Iowa's defense is going to have to play pretty well I think
1: well then you talk about opting in you look at, at week four um, a, a tough game for Iowa and especially if Rashad Bateman is back for the Gophers which I, I, I expect him to be it sounds like he wants to play he wants to come back and again we talked about it at the start of the podcast uh, we both feel that the NCAA should allow these guys to come back in and so uh, when Iowa goes up to Minneapolis to play for Floyd of Rosedale you're, you're going to have a, a Gophers team that is uh, looking for revenge that has lost five in a row a pj fleck that has never beaten iowa um you know could this game be moved to a Friday certainly uh, is this game kind of uh, you know short of of Wisconsin this feels it feels like the winner of this game will then battle Wisconsin for the Big Ten West or at least that's how it feels in my mind uh, I, I think this is a tough game and, and between this and the next game at Penn State which we will get to in a minute um, I'm looking at, at Iowa going one and one here I don't know which one they win and which one they lose uh, but uh, this, this game at Minnesota has certainly gotten more interesting over the last couple of years Rob and uh, I expect a good one up in Minneapolis this year
0: yeah and the hawkeyes have owned this series as of late so this is going to be a game where minnesota i mean iowa kind of took the bloom off the rose last year so to speak yeah. and, and literally cost minnesota the rose bowler or, or had a chance to cost minnesota the rose bowl with the upset at kinnick stadium last november against an undefeated and top 10 minnesota team um and this is a minnesota team that i think could come in here three and oh or um or actually Iowa could go up there and it would be against a three and O team they open uh the 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 Gophers open with Michigan at home, and then they're at Maryland and at Illinois. Um, So if they can get that win in week one against the visiting Wolverines with a new starting quarterback, uh, you have to think Minnesota's favorite at Maryland and at Illinois. Um, Iowa's got to have that game. I, I always got to go up there and get that win, I think. And if you're looking, you, you talked about the game we'll talk about next. If you're looking for the, the game you want them to win out of Minnesota and Penn State, if they are, you know, if you're, if you're told, hey, they're going to go one and one here, which one do you want? You want the Minnesota. You want that divisional game. And uh, that's going to be, I'm looking forward to that one.
1: I am too. And, and you're right. You're right. If, for all logical reasons, you're 100% right. You want that Minnesota game. But got to be nice to beat Penn State again, right? It's it's been what six in a row for Penn State and the last few yeah. have come down to like the final possession uh, right down to the end of the uh, right down at the end of the game, right down to the wire. Uh, it felt like the Hawkeyes should have won a couple of those games and now you you go to 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 Penn State in week 5 and as you said, you know, hopefully a four and team here with the Hawkeyes really looking good and, and kind of taking control of of at least what they can control in the Big Ten West. Um, but but this Penn State game is uh, it's always one that you know Hawkeye fans I think circle on the calendar. I, f- I feel like after the last few years, Penn State feels the same way. Uh, this has turned into a, a really fun rivalry and. Um, and I think you're right. If, if you're going to just win one, you want that Minnesota game. And so I probably think Iowa comes out of Penn State with a loss.
0: Yeah, I, well, you know, we <laughs> talked about not having fans. This is certainly yes, where it benefits you're Iowa. You're right about that. Because you're talking about 100,000 people that aren't going to be at, at, yeah, uh, no at owl, Beaver no, Stadium right. yelling at them. Yes. And yelling yes. at Penn Spencer Petris. Yes. <laughs> so that that is definitely a benefit to, for Iowa here. They definitely get the benefit of that. Um, you look at Penn State, it opens at Indiana. Tricky game. Uh, Ohio State at home on Halloween maryland at home at nebraska and then iowa so um and then the the they i uh penn state goes to michigan the week after iowa so penn state's got a difficult early season schedule um and will be favored to beat iowa but i think that's a winnable game man i really do i think um You know, especially without Micah Parsons, he's such an integral part of their defense. He's arguably the best linebacker in the country. We'll have to see if he if he opts back in and is allowed to opt back in, because that's obviously a, a big, big factor in that game.
1: Then we've got uh, what I expect to be a Black Friday game. I don't know about you. I know in, in your column you say it, it could be moved there. Um, I don't know how. I, I just I think the Big Ten is going to give Nebraska that Black Friday game as they've had for so long. And this is kind of a nice little you know. Um, we, I think we had all kind of complained that this Black Friday rivalry game against Nebraska was going away uh, for for just a couple of years and, and would come back. And um, so one of the the few good things that we may get out of this is uh, kind of continue. Continuing that tradition, that Black Friday game against Nebraska. Nebraska comes to Iowa City. These have been close games the last couple of years, kind of like the Penn State thing, but Iowa's been on top uh, the last few times, what, five in a row now for the Hawkeyes. It's it's just so hard because, you know, especially living over here, Rob, we get a lot of Nebraska fans and, and a good amount of Nebraska hype. And so every season, I think Nebraska, this is the year, right? This is the year Adrian Martinez is going to be a, a Heisman candidate, and they're going to put it all together. And Scott Frost really has his guys now and his system, and he's ready to go. Uh, so, you know, could this be the year that Nebraska comes in with a, a head of steam and a lot to play for? Possibly. Um, I guess until I see it, uh, it's hard for me to believe it. And so, uh, again, until we get there and I see a good Nebraska team coming to Iowa City, I feel confident that the Hawkeyes can uh, extend their streak against the Huskers.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think on paper, Iowa's the better team. Um, A couple things to point out is Martinez is a veteran quarterback. If he's healthy, which I don't think he was against Iowa last year, um, he's a handful. Uh, We saw that two years ago when uh, Nebraska made a – pretty good comeback attempt at Iowa city. And it did the same last year, I guess in, in Lincoln as well. Um, but, but he's dangerous. And another interesting sidebar here, Andrew is, will Oliver Martin be eligible at Nebraska? They're giving, uh, they're pretty much letting most of the transfers uh, play right away. And so that would be an interesting uh, little side story to this one. If Oliver Martin is able to play, and they need receivers, they lost J.D. Spielman. I think he's at Texas Christian, and uh, will play against Iowa State this week. Uh, he was probably their most dangerous receiver last year. But again, it comes down for Nebraska to line play. They just haven't. The Huskers just haven't gotten their lines up to where it need. They need to be to. Compete consistently in the Big Ten. We'll have to see if they've made a, you know another um, if they've if they further developed in that area because until they're able to compete in the trenches, they're not going to be able to win consistently in this league.
1: And certainly not against <laughs> Iowa. It seems like Iowa has really kind of dominated those lines the last last couple of seasons. Um, yeah,
0: AJ, that's lost his mind last year right, in Lincoln. Right. I mean, they could not contain him, and Iowa's you know they'll they'll miss AJ this year but they've got plenty of firepower on on the defensive line to to cause uh, Nebraska to create issues for Nebraska's offensive line if it's not better.
1: Well, from one team that Iowa has dominated in in the recent past uh, to another, Iowa to Illinois in week seven, the Hawkeyes have won six in a row, 11 of the last 12 against Illinois. Uh, Illinois is a a team that seems to be getting better, but I, I saw a stat that uh, under Lovey Smith, so what, just two games at home against Iowa, they have yet to score a point at home against Iowa under Lovey Smith. They got shut out the two times uh that iowa has played their 2016 and 2018 Uh, that that 2018 game was like 63 to nothing that was just an absolute blowout um you know i obviously a lot will depend on this point uh on injuries and kind of momentum how things are going what there is to still play for uh but you have to like iowa's chances to go to illinois and, and get another win
0: yeah, we'll see what type of Illinois Illini team uh, Iowa finds in Champaign. They yes. have Ohio State at home the week before <laughs> they play the Hawkeyes. So um, hopefully uh, they're they nobody's hurt and they they can put a, a full team out there. But yeah, um, Iowa Iowa seems to be kind of the tough matchup for Illinois as Purdue is to to Iowa. Yeah. They just. Illinois' scheme and, uh, you know, its it system just does not match up well against Iowa. And similar to Nebraska, Illinois needs to be better up front in the, in the trenches. And that's probably uh, the, a theme throughout Big Ten football. If you're not able to compete up front, you're going to have a tough time. And we'll see if Illinois, obviously Illinois took a step forward, made a bowl game last year. We'll see if Lovey can build on that.
1: Then the uh, the regular season finale. We will have a ninth game that you and I can talk about here quickly as soon as we do this. But uh, this this could be the the game. This could be with the division on the line. This could send somebody into Champions Week uh, to play in the Big Ten Championship game. I hope that's the case. Um, and and for a lot of reasons, but certainly because that's the kind of game that Iowa needs to beat Wisconsin in to really kind of take this rivalry and and even it out a little bit more, or or you know maybe take some momentum with them uh, because beating a let's say it's a down Wisconsin year for whatever reason. And, uh, and this game doesn't have a lot on the line or maybe only has a lot on the line for Iowa. Uh, That, that just doesn't do it. Uh, At this point, Wisconsin has dominated this rivalry so, uh, so much. And for so long that the Hawkeyes really need to take something from them in order to, to kind of even this up. And so I hope that that's the case uh, in week eight when, uh, when Wisconsin comes to town, it'll be interesting to see by then also if, uh, if we've loosened restrictions on fans, Um, you know, Gary Barta kind of left that that door open a little bit last week when he talked. Certainly didn't say it was going to happen, but uh, also didn't say that that by you know by this time there's no way it would happen. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see what the situation is in week eight. But this is always a game that makes Iowa fans nervous, or at least has for the last decade, um, and, and seems to always be a good game. Uh, but I, I just really think that. Again, the Hawkeyes need to beat Wisconsin with something on the line and take something from them in order to kind of uh, regain their manlyhood in this, in this rivalry right now.
0: Yeah, and it really needs to be in the context of winning the division. If they yeah. get to this get week and maybe have had you know some unfortunate losses, upset losses, and they're not in the Western Division picture, they being the Hawkeyes and beat Wisconsin with nothing on the line, as you said, it's just gonna it's gonna ring hollow. This really needs to be for the division. This needs to be with a division on the line. Uh, you know, you don't know what's gonna happen with Minnesota, or Northwestern, or Purdue because I think all of those teams, if things break right, can be contenders because we just don't know what to expect this season. It's just such a bizarre unusual season. We just I think we all in our minds are thinking what we're used to the the normal um you know home road what traditionally these teams look like not a lot of injuries not having to deal with covid a, a, a impacting a roster all of those things you just don't know what what factors are going to play in but the bottom line is this has to be for where iowa needs to be in the even if wisconsin's not maybe yeah. wisconsin gets upset and is is not playing for the division here. Iowa needs to win this game and have it mean something in terms of winning the Western division to get this gorilla off their back. Yes. It was a terrible decade. They got the one win in 2015 up there, uh, which was a kind of a – I don't want to say it was fluky because they earned that win, uh, but for the most part, just um, – have not played well against wisconsin wisconsin's just really had the hawkeyes number and iowa if it wants to get back to the top of the hill uh in in the western division um which it, it hasn't been able to do that road goes
1: through madison well then regardless of whether or not Iowa wins the Western Division and plays in Ohio State in in the uh, in the Big 10 Championship game, Iowa will have a Week 9 game on Champions Weekend. And this is a, a an inspired uh, idea and I think the way that they're putting it together uh, is is sounding very interesting. I don't know exactly how these games are going to be laid out or what it's going to look like if they're going to start uh, I saw somebody say I wish I knew who it was. Last week I saw somebody kind of lay it out where, you know, you could play a game starting at like one o'clock in the afternoon on Friday and play, you know, three games that day and three games on Saturday and all leading up to, you know, the Big Ten Championship on Saturday night. But this Champions Week idea, where, you know, one plays one, obviously, but then two plays two, three plays three, I will get an East Division opponent uh, and they're going to try to make sure that there aren't. Um, replays in that game you know rematches so uh, it won't be Iowa Penn State likely or Iowa Michigan State but you know Iowa may get Michigan or you know maybe Ohio State gets upset and Iowa, you know has to play Ohio State in a in a second place game something like that I do really like this idea though you gotta think
0: bigger here man (laughs) You got to think Ohio State for the all, you know, for the,
1: for the, I hope so, for the chance in the college football playoff. This, this would be the year where I was going to win a national title and get, <laughs> get the asterisk on it because they didn't actually play, you know, 14 games or whatever the, the case may be. But I really love this idea, Rob, and I wonder if it's something that they can kind of implement moving forward, even when we are back to normal and, and are having full seasons. Adding that game may be too much to ask, uh, but, but I do, I think it, it may have been Dave Schwartz column I was reading where he, it's like, well, you know, the, the whole like safety thing is kind of out the window when you decide to go forward and play in a, in a pandemic. It seems like we've all forgotten things like, you know, CTE and uh, player yeah. injuries. So, you know, throwing on a 13th game before you get to a bowl game may not be a non starter like it would have been a year or two ago. Uh, I wonder if this is something they can look at going forward. But regardless of whether or not they do, I love this idea for this year.
0: Yeah, it's a cool idea, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they implement it and just kind of the logistics of it. But uh, the the thing that all you know, one of the points that keeps popping out to me was is all of these all of these years where we've heard, you know, it's tough to schedule. We've got to schedule five. Six, six eight years in advance because there's so much difficulty in putting this a schedule together meanwhile you're doing this (laughs) you've got teams that are getting sidelined by covid and then the teams that they were supposed to play scheduling games within a week i mean these things can be done and i think that if there's one thing that's come out of all of this i think that that uh the uh whatever it is that that I, I, it's almost fraudulent that yeah. you need all this time to schedule games is and I, and I know there's more logistics that go into it when there are crowds and you're going to a city that's you know it's going to be maybe harder to find hotel rooms and things like that but this uh this charade that it's hard to put you know schedule games together I think if there's anything we've learned from this pandemic is that adjustments can be made when they have to
1: exactly right and ah we we got football man we got football back and then hopefully it goes well and hopefully everybody is safe and healthy and then we can do this uh, in the right way and and take these precautions and and you know really um you know really take this seriously uh but it it does feel good to have a schedule and to have a football season on the horizon here and then to spend you know 45 minutes just talking actual football here here with you
0: and what? Yeah, I agree, Andrew. It is good that we have a season. I think every—it's kind of therapeutic for everybody yeah. to at least have something to look forward to. Again, we don't know what this is going to, how this is going to shake out. Uh, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Andrew, the the protocols and the guidelines and the, and the threshold numbers for the Big Ten is as stringent by far as any in the country. You have a player test positive; that's twenty-one days that's three weeks if that happens to be you know Petrus or Linderbaum or you know whatever Keith Duncan uh whoever it may be um there could be a you know and and whoever the equivalent of those in, in in terms of importance are for Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State or Wisconsin that could really change the whole complexion of what this season looks like and I just Not that what I say means anything, but I I would just, you know, kind of call on fans to just take whatever we get here and... Don't complain and say, "Oh man, the Big Ten's being ridiculous with these protocols and these guidelines, and that's costing our team." They're trying to be safe. They they brought the game back to be safe and and put these student athletes in a position where they can play the game they love. They work hard to play in a safe way. And maybe we have disagreements with how stringent these guidelines are, but they're doing it for a reason. And just enjoy what we get. I guess is the bit is the main message for me. Not. Not that anybody will listen to me.
1: All right, we have a, a, another big piece of news that came out last week, Rob, and that is uh, the start of college basketball season. At least the date has been set. Uh, November 25th is when the the season is going to start, the week of Thanksgiving. And uh, we don't really know what, and much more than that, do we? Do we we don't know a lot about a non-conference schedule, or uh, what even a conference schedule is going to look like. What a a Big Ten tournament or an NCAA tournament is going to look like. But at least it feels because uh, it didn't in football at least least it feels like the, the committee putting this thing together for for college basketball is thinking ahead, is, is working towards this, and uh, and is fully expecting to have a, uh, if not a full season, a full enough season to kind of get us to a, a national championship and a, and a March Madness. And so, I feel good about that. You know, I've been saying for... For months and months, you can take football, just don't take basketball from me. Not this year, with the 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 way the Hawkeyes are poised to to you know make do things that haven't been done in my lifetime. Uh, so I I do feel good about how this basketball season is is starting to shape up. Even though uh, I don't know who I was going to play or how many games they're going to play or where they're going to play or what any of this is going to look like.
0: Yeah, and again, you know, let's just kind of take what we can get here. But I think there are a lot of positives, and I think you'd agree, Andrew, with. Um You know, with with basketball, I think that are there are there are fewer hurdles. Um, One being that the basketball season won't start until most schools will be online only learning. That's helpful. Fewer players, easier to play in a bubble. Just a lot of. logistics where basketball I think is better off than football uh, and a lot of reasons for that. And also just having this football season to learn, to say, okay, this didn't work for football. We can do it this way. I think there's just a lot, there are a lot of positives for basketball. And I think, I think people should be, you know, I think people should prepare for the bubble aspect. I should, I, I don't think you're going to see fans. It's inside. Uh, I just don't see fans being at least, you know, for, for the first several months of their first few months of the season, I can't see them bringing fans into an arena. You don't, you want to protect the players uh, at all costs to have a season. So, um, I, you, you know, you mentioned it, I think before we started recording uh, that Wells Fargo and Des Moines and you, you know more about this than I do. So I'll let you speak on it. But I think we're, hopefully we get some really intriguing bubbles Regionally, and I think they certainly can be a very intriguing regional bubble for i for the Iowa teams, the Hawkeyes included.
1: Yes, exactly, and yeah. So, so here in Des Moines, you know, the Wells Fargo Arena and the the Convention and Visitors Bureau, who uh, have put on great NCAA tournaments uh, here in Des Moines uh, a couple of times now, they are they have made it very clear that they're ready for a bubble. Now, nobody has asked them quite yet, or at least not not that I know, but they wanted to get out there right away and say, "Hey, uh, we can do this. We have the Hotel space. We have the arena space. Uh, they even have the Hive Hall, which is across the street. It's the old Vets Auditorium. Uh, that area. Where they've got a couple of ballrooms big enough to, to lay down a basketball court and uh, and have you know they they think maybe even three courts going at a time and so uh, whether this becomes a kind of a small regional bubble where you've got the four Iowa Division one teams kind of a Big Four Classic type thing although I'm not sure you know having Drake and you and I play each other in a non conference setting uh, is is ideal um, but if you can get Iowa to play you and I and Drake and Iowa State in a bubble like that or maybe even expand it a little more and make it a few weeks and uh, Uh, You know, bring in a Creighton or hell, even a Missouri or uh, some of these Kansas teams, uh, South Dakotas, North Dakota State, things like that. You could really kind of build a a nice little preseason or non conference tournament here. Um, it is interesting. This was going to be the one year that Iowa was kind of left out of the holiday tournament uh, fun, um, <laughs> and and now it's like nobody's really going to have that—at least not at, at any you know real level. Um, but I, I think the the possibility of having a bubble here in Des Moines is certainly intriguing. Like I said, if if it can't be bigger than uh, just the four teams, at the very least you get the four of these teams together. You get three non-conference games in for both Iowa and Iowa State. Uh, you get that Si game, which I think is. I think you really need that in a year where you don't have it for football. I think it would be huge to be able to schedule a Cyhawk basketball game. Uh, and not just because I think Iowa would run Iowa State out of the gym again, uh, but just, you know, for, for the rivalry to keep it going. Um, and so... So I love that idea. We've talked several times about just that huge gap of time between Thanksgiving and really the end of January where students aren't going to be on campuses and everything's going to be on online anyway. And you could really kind of take these teams and not hinder their, their academic work uh, and and bubble them, whether it's here in Des Moines or, or in other places, and really knock out a good number of games in a schedule. And it may, be, it may end up being kind of a disjointed thing if you have to keep bubbling teams uh, here and there. But I I think, I think at least college basketball has it in their head that they're going to do whatever they have to do to get this done, and if that means bubbling teams all year long, then that, then that's what they're going to do, and and at least they're working towards that. And I'm excited for the uh, the possibility of it.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I think you could start with a you know one, however many team non conference bubble, and maybe get I don't know five six non conference games in, um, and then go go to a conference bubble. Um, you know, maybe do a couple conference bubbles and start one, you know, middle December, late December, Put one together and then another one Later in January we've talked about on the podcast Andrew that it looks like Or, or it doesn't look like Iowa's decided To go online basically for the whole Month of January yeah. so you're talking here uh, Two months plus To play in bubbles and I think you could get a lot Of games in in that and then hopefully By the time you hit February Maybe we're in a better you know position In terms of this virus as a country And uh, you can open it up A little bit more and maybe finish up the season uh, More traditionally Additionally, with Big Ten play and then go into to March and uh, who knows, maybe even are able to have a Big Ten tournament somewhere.
1: Hopefully we'll learn more and more about uh, how the season comes together, what this is actually going to look like for the Hawkeye basketball team here in the next couple of weeks. And we will certainly be on top of it on Hawkeye Nation. But it's good to have some football games to talk about and uh, and have some things like that to dive into here each week on the Hawkeye Nation podcast. Rob, what can people expect on the site this week?
0: Uh, yeah, so we've got, uh, I know, uh, connected with Anna Kaiser last week, she's just going to do something on the uniqueness of Iowa playing conference-only games in the regular season and kind of look back over the last five years, which has been a good run for the Hawkeyes, on how uh, they've performed in conference and kind of maybe where, you know, what the what that might look like this season, yeah. Um, I will have my normal uh, Hawks in the NFL, uh, which will be out tomorrow morning, I hope. I don't think there are any Hawkeye. Is it the Saints and, yes. and the Raiders tonight? Right, I don't yes. think yeah, there the are any Hawkeyes the in this game, in Vegas, so I, yeah. I could probably write that up today and have that ready to go in the morning. Uh, I'm going to try before the end of the week to do my game-by-game predictions for Iowa football. Nice. Um, Hope to have a. I was going to record, and I apologize for any of you folks that are listening and did not see the mailbag podcast. I had planned to do that on Thursday, and put out the bat signal for questions. And then, shortly after I did this, as as per usual, best best laid <laughs> the best laid plans. Excuse me. Um, we found out that we we're going to have Kirk Ferentz and Gary Porter press conference, so I had to table the the uh, the. Um, mailbag podcast but i plan to do that on wednesday so if you ask questions last week i will get to those this week and hopefully we'll have some more um that's all i can think of off the top of my head andrew but you know as, as people know who follow the site we usually have uh news coming along and, and different features and things like that that pop up during the week so check out hawkeye nation and uh we will have good stuff for you i can guarantee you that
1: and you and i will reconvene a week from now to talk uh, more football more news whatever's going on this is always fun rob i appreciate it thank you man
0: yeah good to talk to you andrew good to talk about football again and looking forward to this thing moving forward
1: thank you for listening and go hawks